Welcome to the Fabric Podcast. This is a conversation about growth, and we're calling it It's Hard Not To. It seems like we love to make it hard on ourselves and feel like the odds are against us, and we are facing great and unique challenges as individuals and as a society, but when it comes to growth, it's going to happen. Does that mean we don't have any work to do? No need for practice? Of course not. And that's why we want to welcome you into this conversation. Greg Meyer here. Good to be with you all this morning. We've been talking about it's hard not to. It's hard not to do a lot of things. I, I want you to just take a minute and um, think about something that you spent some time doing today. Uh, maybe I, I spent about 15 minutes kind of waking up, convincing myself to get out of bed. I spent 20 minutes showering, shaving, getting dressed, um, five minutes driving. I don't know, did, did you spend, what, what did you do? Like, what was something you spent some time on today? Did you spend any time um, thinking about, maybe obsessing over, maybe um, some person, something, some situation? Did you spend any time doing that yet today? Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, um, yeah. Okay, so here, here's my point. Um, you know what you were doing during that time? You were practicing. You were practicing something. You're, you're always practicing something. It doesn't you know, matter what it was. That was something you were practicing. You know, the, the big thing, we, we kind of misunderstand practice. We think it's a separate thing, but practice is what you were doing all the time. Because however you, those patterns were going as you were thinking about, worrying about, putting your clothes on, reacting to, going out for me, feeding, you know, putting the, filling the bird feeders. I had to focus on something. I had to decide something was important enough to do. I had to consider my relationship with it. If I was getting input from something, like maybe it was a conversation, um, you know, fictitiously remembering my kids were small, as if sometimes maybe there was an argument, you know, getting them ready in the morning or something like that. Like, you know, it's possible. Who knows? Um, you were deciding how you were going to react to that input, right? And you were reacting. You were doing that. You were practicing. You were learning. You were setting down a pattern of behavior, of thought, of interaction. You were practicing. Now, that's kind of important to know because what we're talking about today is it's hard not to practice, and it's hard not to practice because you're always practicing something 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Are you practicing while you're sleeping? Well, we'll leave that conversation out for today. But you're practicing something like all the time. So I want to think about that because uh, spiritual growth is a lot about practice. And um, what we've been saying, this is the fifth week we've been talking about this, and this is really all about how we grow spiritually. And the definition that I've been using for spiritual growth that we've used with fabric for a long time is spiritual growth is a process of aligning your whole self with the image of God within you. And I'm not going to dissect that all. You can go back to some of the previous uh, podcasts, but it's a process that never ends. You're always doing it, and, you're, you know, it's, and it's not an added thing. It's, you know, it's just your whole self coming together around that image of God within you. And I don't want to overly mystify that image of God within you. I just think we need something that sounds kind of sacred, something that is holy that makes us realize how big that is that's in us. It's, it's a part of us that's... Um, where we are part of all things, where we are connected, and the only way that we can exist and be is in, in that connectedness. So spiritual growth is when we are aligning ourselves to all of that. And you know, it's, it, a lot of us maybe think, well, 
you know, I'm not a spiritual growth kind of person, or I'm not really a spiritual person, and, you know, it's hard not to be spiritual. I mean, think about if the fact that you're here, I would I'll assume that spirituality and however you define that is an important thing for you. It's something you value. It would be something you would esteem to, right? In fact, you probably would agree with me that being spiritual and growing in my spiritualness is, uh, well, it's going to be good for me. It's going to be better for the world. Thing, life is better. It doesn't mean things work out more. It doesn't mean it takes problems away necessarily, but what? There's something bigger and better going on that I'm in tune to and part of that helps it all go. So th- think about this. Can you imagine that you, well, okay, let's use God as like God and the entity sitting somewhere that has an idea about you and, you know, is projecting this down, a very instrumental sense of God. Would God create you and say, I want you to be spiritual, but I'm not going to design you to be that way? I'm going to make it like, no, it's got to be, you've got to do something heroic. You've got to do something, you've got to change completely who I made you to be in order to be that. No, that doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, if, if, if God would want you to be a spiritual being, wouldn't God have made you so that is what you would do? Or, you know, think about it on the other end of the spectrum. So maybe you don't think about God that way, but you think about, like, well, you know, all that is, like the universe. If the universe intends you to be connected to all things, that's how you are fulfilled, that's how you evolved, that's how you became, why would you have evolved, and why would there be so many of us if somehow what we were really meant to be, the thing that made us the most connected, the thing that made us work the best was something that we weren't designed to be? I I think the only reason we wouldn't is that we have the wrong idea of what that is, that sense of spirituality is something that's not like us. It's something out there. It's not a normal person. No, it is a normal person. It, it's you. It's who we all are. Um, it, it's it's uh, hard for you know our spiritual to self though to grow, even though I think I really do think it's it's just a natural extension of who we are, if we don't practice it right. Um, unfortunately, it isn't hard to practice. And the reason a lot of us think spiritual growth is hard is that we think spiritual people are different than we are. Well, you know, there's those spiritual people, then there's the rest of us. No, no. You know, that's the, the whole idea of, um, you know, what kind of people are spiritual people is an unhelpful question. It's just the wrong question. You know, and we've got a, a real strong feeling about that with fabric. When you ask the wrong question, I don't care how good your answer is, it's not going to be a helpful answer. And I think, you know, what kind of people are spiritual people is just not, a, it's not the right question because we are all spiritual. In fact, Jesus, I think, really tried to hammer this home. In the first week of this series, we uh, talked about that a lot. And we, we used his parable of the sower and the seed and the soils, right? So there's a sower goes. I'll just recap it quickly. The sower goes out in the field in the story of Jesus, and he casts the seeds, and some of it lands on paths, where it's too hard for the seeds to, um, um, you know, take root and grow. Then some of it falls among weeds, and the weeds choke it out. Some of it falls on rocks, and it springs up, but it doesn't have any depth of soil, so it, you know, withers and dies. And then some of it falls on good soil. Some falls in a place where it's supposed to be, and it just grows like crazy and does wonderful stuff. Now, I think he's trying to make some points that exactly what we are, and he's trying to... The, the first thing to know about this, I, I think, to observe is this is... And this is on your Sunday paper if you follow these outlines, if that's helpful to you. But the first thing I would say for a takeaway from that story is the extravagance of the sower. We talked about that the first week. The sower was almost irresponsibly extravagant. 
having these good seeds, I mean, I imagine that's a valuable commodity. And just throwing them everywhere. I don't care if it lands on the path. I don't care if it lands on the rocks. I don't care if it goes in the weeds. I throw it everywhere, right? Just this extravagance, abundance, no sense of scarcity at all, embracing all of it. You know? And I think we'll maybe understand why in a bit. The other thing is that there are not four kinds of people in this story. There's not you know, people that are like the path, people that are like the rocks, people that are like the weeds, and then there's some good dirt out there. No. He says, these are four parts of everybody's lives. You know, and, and maybe that is why the sower embraces it all, because all of it is you. And the potential of what is in you is so clear. So there are not four kinds of people, but there are four parts of every person. That, I think, is another important takeaway. And the third takeaway is that you, well, there's you know, the sower. Who's a sower? Well, a sower is you know, whatever the vision of God is, right? Then there's the seed. The seed is what, what God would want to plant, what the third strand would want to weave into our lives, right? And that leaves one role for us, right? We're the dirt, right? Not real glamorous, but we're the dirt, right? And we are messy, like dirt is. Get your hands dirty in that, right? But we are imperfect, which is, I think, why we were given that role and why this is a, you know, he used a story about throwing seeds into dirt, not one of, like, I don't know, something nice and clean and pretty. But uh, we are imperfect, and that is wonderful. It's wonderful. The stuff from, we are the stuff from which life comes, even though it might be dirty. And, um, and when, in fact, we are the kind of soil that when those seeds land in us, it's hard not to have them grow because that is what it does. And grow it does, which is why God throws it everywhere. I mean, because life wants to grow. It want, God is working within us. The world is working within us. As we weave our lives, we find that the good dirt starts taking over all the rest. That's what naturally happens. Um, back in May, I shared this picture with you guys. Um, I was running around Lake Nokomis, and I noticed this. The pavement is getting broken up. And if you look carefully, especially on the right there, you can see it. It's the alders that are growing along the lake coming right up through the pavement. Like, you can, you can pack this down. You can dredge it out. You can lay pavement over it. But guess what? Life is going to come through. That's what God knows, to use that very literal understanding of God again. That's what God knows about the, the path, the weeds, and the rocks in your life. Life will not be stopped. It's all going to turn into good soil. Um, we lived in Papua New Guinea for about seven years, um, you know, what, just tucked between Australia and the equator, way up back up in the bush. And um, what, one of the things that was always present um, were fruit bats, right? So we had big monster fruit bats, especially in the lower altitudes, and they would eat papayas. That was one of the favorite. Yeah, if you look closely, that's a male. <coughs> Uh, male papaya. Um, geez, you guys are easy today. Um, so so they, they eat, they will only eat fresh fruit. They're just these monster things and they only eat nice fresh fruit, right? So I'm going to leave that papaya on there one more day to get it a little bit ripe and the next day it looks like that. Um, but then what they do is then they fly around, right? And so they, they take off. There are a lot of them, right? In fact, there are a lot, a lot of them. Um, and they fly everywhere. And guess what they do when they fly? Yeah, they drop papaya seeds. So the Papua New Guineans know this, right? 
they go and they say, we need, they do slash and burn agriculture, which because they're doing it by hand and so on, the, the, the bush always grows faster than they can clear it. So it's really, at least in indigenous practices before they had tractors and things like that, it was very sustainable. Um, they would go and they'd clear, out the, uh, they'd clear out a section of the bush and then come back like a year later to start to garden it, knowing that when they cleared it, guess what would come up almost immediately? Papaya trees. So they would have a food source when they went back there to work because the fruit bats had planted seeds everywhere because the world was full of good dirt just waiting for the right conditions for this fruit to be born and for it to come up. In fact, it was so much so when Christianity started finding its way in Pop to Papua New Guinea and they started interpreting it for their own Melanesian you know, mindset, often the Holy Spirit, rather than being pictured as a dove, was pictured as a fruit bat, precisely for this. Because it's always got life ahead of you. It's always making life where you thought it couldn't be. Always preparing the way for us. Just some um, neat sort of stuff. So, you know, the fact that you are a mess, a hot mess, doing the mess, the uh, welcome, or just a regular mess, or whatever your situation is, you, no, you are good dirt. We all have all four of us, them in us, and it's not hard to be spiritual. It's not hard to do the practicing we need to do. So, you know, the good dirt in you is, is being made all the time. It's, it's taking over the rocks and the path and the weeds. And that's an important thing for us to remember and to hold on to. You know, being wonderful is not because you are perfect. It's because you're dirt. You are the kind of stuff that life comes from, and it springs up. Just we need to hold that vision. Now, some of you may think you're pretty good stuff. Yeah, I'm not perfect, but yeah, I'm pretty good. I mean, I think a lot of us think that, and that's okay. That's, that's fine. You are pretty good stuff. You should be proud of yourself. You should believe in the stuff you do. Just don't hold that too tightly. I mean, be ready to let that wonderful image of yourself go because sometimes it won't be there. Sometimes that will undo you. And it, that good stuff, those skills, those talents, those abilities, those natural characteristics you have that just seem to win all the time, they may not be... What makes you such a wonderful contribution to this world? It may be something much, much simpler, something hardly identified, something that other people would barely even bother to mention or point out. It might simply be that you are the person where you are at the right time to care, to love someone else. Just that. You just happen to be the body in the right time, in the right place, and that is good soil. That is fruit that bears over and over and over again. So, you know, it's okay. Um, one, of the, one of the things that um, I believe for a long time is that, um, and again, using some fairly straightforward God language, but I think sometimes we need that, we need to have a concrete God box to be able to understand all this stuff. But that your spiritual de depth has less to do with how deeply you believe in God, which is what we often think, you know. My spiritual depth is how, how strong was my faith? How deeply do I believe in God? I think it has a lot less to do with how deeply you believe in God and much more to do with how deeply God believes in you. It's unquestioned. The extravagance of the sower doesn't just walk carefully past the path, past the rocks, past the weeds, and carefully pluck the seeds in a nice row and the, and the good soil. No, the whole thing. God believes in you. Seeds are being sown in you, and your value and your potential are not 
questioned. They may be questioned by you sometimes. You might wonder about your value. You might be wondering about your self-worth or what your contribution could be. There might be other people. You may have those critics out there that make quite a point of questioning your value to the world sometimes. Anybody ever have that happen to them? I bet you have. Yeah. Okay. But not the sore. Sore doesn't question it. Could fabric, can this community be a place where we are always seen that way? I mean, if there would be a vision, I would hope, for a community like this, is that this is a place where we are always seen, we are the whole of us seen, but we are all seen for the good soil that we can be, the good soil that is taking over our lives that we can practice. Anyway, spiritual growth in it happens best when we practice, though, right? I'm pretty easy to say. Um, practicing that is going to make it work better for us. And this message today is less about giving you practices. If you saw the title, you might thought, oh, we're going to do a whole bunch of different spiritual practices today. Well, no, I think we're just doing one really big one, one big picture sense of that. And it's... Um, so this message today isn't about giving you practices. It's more about helping you see the way that you are practicing 24-7 already and to be able to acknowledge that and to embrace this. So the question really isn't, you know, whether you practice, because you do. You practice all the time. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you're practicing all the time. It's really about what you practice, right? It's not about whether you do, because you are. It's about what you're practicing. And I think, you know, one of the truths that we know is... Um, when we're practicing things that we mean to, like say, okay, this is a part of my life that I really, I want to focus on, I want to make, I want to use it in ways that are supporting me rather than tearing me down. Those are grooves, right? Practices that you mean to do are grooves. And practices that you don't realize you're doing have a tendency to dig ruts. So, you know, practices can go both ways, and that's important. But it's important also to remember that this isn't a heaven and hell thing, right? I mean, I, I, there, you can just drop that whole idea away in the first place. No, this isn't whether you're a good person or a bad person. The fact that you maybe have more ruts than you've got grooves, it's not a big deal. It's just we are all in this process of aligning ourselves. It's, a, you know, it's about grooves and about ruts, not about being good and being bad and stuff like that. So um, the, the, I guess I, the question I would put with it is this practice that you are doing, these practices that I am doing, are they mending the fabric? Are they helping me be a part and pulling this world together, or are they rending it? Is this practice right now, the way I'm doing it, because I am practicing, is it building up or is it tearing down? Is it mending or is it rending? So, like I said, I'm not going to give you five spiritual practices. And the reason is there isn't one thing that you can do that's suddenly going to bring you to enlightenment, that's going to make you wonderful, going to make everything work for you. Um, there are many, many really good practices out there, and I hope you try them. But the point is you are already practicing. And I hope you can use them in order to, to grow. So, again, uh, this is not, this is, these practices, spiritual practicing, it's not hard to practice, is about your operating system. It isn't about an app you would do. It's not about another thing you would do. It's a posture. It's not an addition. It isn't, you know, it's not something you're going to add on and all of a sudden I'm better. No, it's a rewiring and a re-seeing of who you are. So, again, to be as redundant as possible, I'll make this point over and over again. Uh, like it says on your outline, this is not about a practice, it is to practice. To practice. Worry less 
about what the practice is. Anyway, a little bit of a word study. Um, the word practice, what does that mean? It, it, it simply is referring to what you do. I mean, the word practice comes from you know, other languages. It really is an extension of the word to do, all right? Another version of it is to do something. So practicing is about what you do. It is not about, therefore, what you think. It is not about what you believe. It is not about what you intend. It is about what you do. Your life, in fact, who you are in this world is the sum of your, not, is not the sum of your intentions, right? Your life is the sum of what you do, what you practice. Um, Jesus had a parable about that, too. He told about, well, there's a man who had two sons, and he asked his one son, you know, would you go out to the vineyard and work today? And his son said, yeah, but he didn't go. And then he goes to his other son, same thing, would you go out and work in the vineyard today? And his son says, no, I won't. But later he thinks better of it, and he decides, and he goes and does it. And then Jesus asks that question, which one of these did the will of his father? Well, what do you think? Right? It's not what what they said, it's what they did. What's interesting, though, too, in that story is that um, Jesus does not say, well, the one son is a bad son or disowned or kicked out of the family or something. It's just like, no, this one did the will of the Father and this one didn't at this situation, right? It's not a, this is right, they both stay sons, and I think that's important to do. So the point isn't spiritual growth is, isn't what you think you are or what others should see in you. It is who you are evidenced in what you do. So, you know, why would Jesus or why would Fabric or why would you care about what you're practicing all the time? It's because it makes a difference. You're, you're changing the world. You're changing your relationships. You're changing your own trajectory. You're changing how you are connected to all of the things. And being that spiritual person um, requires some self-control on your part. Because there's a, yeah, that's, that's catch. But we're kind of designed to do that, too. I mean, aren't we self-reflective? Aren't we thinking about what am I doing and what should I be doing? Aren't we introducing the possibility of self-control to ourselves constantly? The question, am I, will I embrace it? Will I take it? Will I run with it or not? Um, it, just two places. I, I love the context of how this gets talked about in the Bible. Paul, this guy who's trying to take this message of Jesus to other people and help him figure out what it was all about, he says, the fruit of the Spirit, the, the stuff that grows up because those seeds are planted, Right? He said, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's generosity, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, all these things that are kind of lovely to be to other people, and then get the last one added to it, self-control. Self-control, or, you know, too, he's talking to uh, Timothy, his, his, uh, his uh, tutor, 2T, that he's helping to grow up, and he says, God didn't give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love, and of self-control. Um, I think someone said it really well recently. I saw this in the news. It was talking about Christianity. and say Christianity is about um, serving others and controlling oneself. When we have it to be about controlling others and serving ourselves, it's no longer Christianity. And I, I think that's right. That, that element of self-control and how we move that towards ourselves and with ourselves is really important. Um, so, you know, one of the reasons we need to do that is because we get into all this pressure and all these things. We have all these reactions, and it's hard to, you know, um, to be the person we want to be in a lot of ways. And fortunately, science has found a, um, a solution for all of this, 
And this is their, you know, the early experiments are about cats, and this isn't actually an endorsement of a product um, one way or the other, but let's just watch this as an option for maybe an easier way to do what we're talking about through this whole series. They love me. They care about me. So when I pee outside the litter tray, fight with my housemates, hide away, or scratch the sofa, they know I'm not as happy as I could be. They find a solution for me. Their relaxing pheromones of Bellyway Optimum help me get my serenity back. I feel more comfortable and secure in my own space and happier around others, especially with the ones I love the most. Bellyway Optimum, for enhanced serenity and a happy family. Find out more on fellyway.co.uk. So if you don't have time for this series, you can just go buy one of those. Um, but, but seriously, you know what, I, again, I, I, have no, I, I have no opinion on that as a product or a way to care for your pets. That's not my point. But we do this ourselves, right? I mean, life is hard. And we can grow spiritually, and we can exercise that self-control, or we can find ways to numb, right? We can find ways to distract. We can find, um, there's everything from uh, your latest CBD product to... Um, what you buy at the liquor store to binge watching Netflix. I mean, there's all sorts of ways of just sort of making the world go away and this is keep things happy, keep things smooth, keep things nice. Or we can be real people, real people. So anyway, uh, what if we change the conversation? That's what I'd be interested in doing. Change the conversation from whether you practice or not, because you're practicing, whether you'll practice, but, and we think that's so hard, instead paying attention to what we're already practicing. Kind of the point of all this. Paying attention to what we're already practicing. And we've got some excuses that keep us from reworking that question. We kind of want to keep focusing on, I don't know if I really want to practice or not. And I'm, I'm sure there's a lot more, and maybe these represent just little bits and pieces of it. But one, one is simply this. It's like, I am too busy, and I don't have time, and it's too hard to practice these spiritual things. To me, the answer is just, you know, again, it's just rewire that, right? The truth is, you are already busy spending time, working hard, practicing something. So we're not making you do something you weren't doing, we're just rewiring it, right? Turn it into a different kind of practicing. Another excuse was well, the, the difference between practicing and the real thing. I mean, it's fine to practice, like I can meditate or I can do, you know, whatever, that's great, but then real life happens and I just don't know how to do it. And I said, no, there is no distinction. <laughs> It is all practice. Everything you're doing is practice. It's all the real thing. There are times in life when the situation that you're called to, the stakes are higher, or it may you know, require you to dig dip deeper in yourself in order to be present, to be the person you want to be, to make the choices you want to make, to, you know, to uh, practice what you were practicing in other situations. But it still is all practice, all right? And... Chris's song and our, you know, fabric mantra, practice when it's easy so you have skills you need when it's not. Putting those reps in, helping us change those thinking patterns, change the way we see situations and so on in the little ways are the only way that we're going to meet those tough things. Um, because there really isn't any difference between what we think of as practice and the real thing. It's just all practice. The third excuse, I kind of like this one a lot, because I, I hear people say it a lot, that, well, I don't have a spiritual job, or, you know, I'm not the spiritual type of person. 
And they'll often say, like you, Greg, you know how much of my job is spiritual? I mean, yeah, I'm a pastor, and maybe it's more that looks textbook spiritual, um, but 90% is just the same sort of stuff everybody's doing. You know, I'm working on a spreadsheet, typing something, answering an email, or working out a schedule or something like that. I mean, it's just, it's life, and it's because it's all spiritual, right? I mean, it's all got a connection to it. Uh, you know, we, we think, well, there's these spiritual-type occupations. No, 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 there's just... There's just life. We all live life in different ways. It might be a little bit helpful to understand sort of the distinction um, between having a calling and having a career, right? What is a calling? Calling is your vocation, right? That's, that's you. Your vocation is you living out your spiritual self, right? And then your career is how you make money, how you support yourself, support your family, do that. Now, sometimes those are perfectly in line. Actually, Probably never, <laughs> because there's a reason why they call work work, because a lot of it is just work, right? You just got to do stuff. And can you find a way to make that spiritual or not? That's the question. Can you realize, no matter what it is I am doing, I am showing up. This is a part of my understanding this process of, of uh, aligning my whole self with what's really going on in the world, and this stuff that I'm paying attention to is really going on in my world. The, the truth is your calling and career may or may not seem like they line up too much, but there's always a way of exercising your calling in your career. I don't care what your job is. There's a way of being a person who is more fully aligned, fully in tune, fully woven, um, a way of practicing your calling in your career. You know, there's never a time when it isn't that way. The th thing to remember on all of this is that, you know, when we're talking about practicing, we are talking about practicing. We are not talking about mastery, right? Jesus did not call us to master this life. Jesus called us to practice it, to be messy and perfect and wonderful soil. So, a couple things. Um, so maybe you came today and hoping you would get a spiritual practice or maybe it didn't cross your mind. You want a spiritual practice? I mean, great. You know, go home, meditate, read the Bible more, do yoga, do some, you know, focused prayer time every, every day. That's all great. Fine, wonderful, do it. Those are good things. I hope you all do them. But I'm really be interested in your doing something a little bit deeper. If you wanted uh, advice of a spiritual practice to try, how about this? Try being non-judgmental. When you're with that person that, hmm, all the triggers go off, uh, in that situation that just looks like a certain way, how can you step back from that and turn off the judgmentalness and turn on the understanding, turn on the curiosity, turn on the wonder in that situation? Or if you want another one, um, another spiritual practice, try listening. Try listening. I mean, listen, listen, listen. There's, a, I, I think it was a, it's a proverb, practice listening and listening and listening. When you can listen no longer, practice silence. Okay, there's a good alternative. Or the other, my favorite proverb about that is, um, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Um, here, here's a spiritual practice for you. When you're in a conversation with someone and they're really talking about something you know, that matters more than just the sports scores or something like that, just listen and, and count all the times that you, like, I want to throw in a thought right now. Count four times before you ever throw in a thought. Like, pass up your first four, like, mm, I got to say something, 
right? Pass up the first four, and then when you finally do say something at the end, compare what you end up saying because you waited those four times from what you would have said the very first time and where that maybe that thought that you really held on to for a long time came from versus where your, your first thought came from. Want a spiritual practice? Try listening. The point of all this is that um, this is really just kind of a pep talk today. That's really all I really want to give you. Um, I, I'm not so interested in your introducing a new practice. I would rather that you just understand why you would want to, why that would matter, and why you could see your life as practices already that can either be moving in the right direction or not. Uh, the truth is you are good dirt. You are all some really, really good, amazing dirt. And when you put all of us together, we have this garden, this garden that would blow anybody's mind with amazing things happening. We all grow different kinds of plants and fruits and different good things happen from it. And we can cross-pollinate and learn and we can change this world and make a garden that does amazing things. So hold that picture. Close your eyes and imagine this garden that we're a part of. Let the faces of some of the people that are here pop into your mind. Maybe some people that aren't here because this garden that fabric is goes way, way beyond our community. And think of the beauty they bring. Think about the sustenance. Think about the way they are enriching the soil around them. And you are part of it, undoubtedly, invaluably, with full confidence. You are part of it. Maybe so. Thanks for listening. May this simply be the start of the conversation. Reach out if you want help connecting with a group virtually or in the Twin Cities and tag at FabricMPLS with your own thoughts on social media. You can also stay up to date and find other resources on our website, FabricMPLS.com.